0: All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining me today for our episode with my new friend, Lisa Meyer. Thank you so much for making time for us, Lisa.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and we were actually just chatting about it. Uh, I, I love kind of breaking the fourth wall, if you will, but we were just chatting before we hit the record button and uh, about the the experience of getting to interact on air, if you will, getting to know each other a little bit along with our listeners. And so we're going to do that here in just a little bit. But as we normally do at the Boca podcast, we start with something called the aha moment. And that really just simply is maybe the biggest or hardest, most difficult lesson that you've learned as a business owner so far. What comes to mind?
1: Oh, I would say it happened the second year I was photographing weddings. I The first year didn't book very much, but the second year I just was booking like crazy. And one weekend I booked two weddings in one weekend, which is great. But I was super exhausted the second day, which was fine too. And I got what I needed except one photo. And the reason why I didn't get this really important photo was because I started to almost merge the two weddings together in my head. Uh. I have a to-do list in my head, um, a shot list in my head that I always go by. And I think what I did was I merged these two weddings in my head together. And I thought I had in the bag. Well, I don't, you know, need to do this checklist, even though I've just done this for one year. So. I missed a groom shot that I really needed to get. So, what I learned from that was that I have to know my limitations on what I am actually capable of doing and I have to take each day as its own wedding instead of just relying on my brain or, you know, that sort of thing. So, I just need to focus on what I'm actually able to do and my limitations. Now, I can do three weddings in a weekend and it's no big deal. But at that time, I it was a aha moment of I need to slow down and regroup and just focus on each day as its own.
0: That's really good. And and this is a this is kind of a, a brand new aha moment, one that we haven't heard yet on the podcast. And and I want to explore it just a little bit. The first <laughs> thing that comes to mind, of course, really is just the, the idea of being present. And I think that's really truly important, especially these days as we deal with so much. Audio and digital noise and and mental noise for that matter, because we're just processing it so much and we we tend to multitask and and there's so many things of course to keep up with as business owners that it can feel maybe even kind of difficult to be truly present at the time but I think it's a good reminder for all of our listeners to do that it's also important though, and something that can kind of enable that to develop systems workflows that enable you to kind of in in some ways go on automatic mode, right? At least when it comes to the yes. busy work of, okay, in this case, for example, what's that next shot on the list that we need to get? You've got a system in place that takes care of that. And that's really important too. And, and I'm, I'm sure you have not only learned that, but implemented that over the years um, as a wedding photographer. But uh, that, that's really good. I, I love that. It, you know, I still, I have the hardest time with kind of keeping up with everything, to be to be honest. I, I just finished a book called Moonwalking with Einstein. And it's, it's um, by this guy yeah. who, I, have you heard of it?
1: No, I haven't. I just, I love the title
0: though. That well, sounds it, it really is awesome. a, It's a brilliant title. And I think it's actually kind of trying to play on a principle that they talk about in the book, which is ultimately about memory. Um, hmm. it, it centers around the story of this guy who just randomly almost decided to become a memory competitor because there is such a thing. There are people who compete uh, in the skill of memory. And it's actually wow. a skill that, that you can learn. And there are huh. certain principles that that can help you learn. And part of, and interestingly enough, he actually speaks to the significance of um, focus and, and being present, you know, like truly focused on something in order to remember it. But then another principle that he talks about, uh, which I find really interesting, and I, and I need to actively kind of practice this moving forward, but is creating images in your head that are unusual, uh, enough to, that, that it will make an impact almost emotionally, really, because if, if, you're, if you have an emotional response to something, there is a higher likelihood that you will remember it. And so you create almost an emotional response from this really odd picture that you've created that you know, makes you laugh or kind of gasp <laughs> or whatever it might be. And that will actually help you remember that particular image. And of course, they'll use other techniques and tools uh, as well. But anyway, all that to say, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to have systems in place that enable us to keep up with all that we have to do. But at the same time, it's important to remember to be present. And um, so I, I love that you started us off with that. Something fresh, something kind of new and different. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, you bet.
0: Well, and, and I mentioned earlier that I'd love to get to know you along with our listeners. And so um, maybe we can just start with something maybe totally random about you that most people don't know.
1: Oh, I would say there's a few. Well, I am a chicken farmer. And I also before photography, I was in the fashion industry as a designer for 10 years. So I've got that yin and yang going. i got the farm thing going, and i got the fashion thing going. That so. is kind of
0: opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I love that. That's really cool. So when you, when you say you were a fashion designer, was there a particular type of clothing yeah, that you were designing? Yeah, I
1: was a sportswear designer. So I went okay. to school for fashion. Um, I first started out in art. I got a degree in art where I was actually in the dark room with developing a film. I did the ceramics. It was an art degree. So I had a fire for photography, but then I got involved in fashion and I went off and I got my degree in fashion and got a a job in designing sportswear of, and I loved it. And I was there for 10 years. I still love fashion, but, um, I just, something was missing. I really loved photography and I decided to go pop back into that.
0: that's good. And we're going to actually kind of dive into that backstory here in just a bit, but I'm curious actually. So being a fashion designer or having that experience, is there a particular fashion magazine that is a favorite?
1: Oh, I love them all for inspiration purposes, just like, you know, photographers and and artists. But I loved W. W is a it's a big fat. Magazine. Oh, I
0: know it well. I was actually going to comment very specifically on W. It's it's my favorite. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm certainly not a fashion guru, and and I wasn't in the fashion world the way that you were. But that is the <laughs> that's the one that comes to mind. And, and like, if I have the opportunity to stop at a at a um, like a bookstore, magazine store, okay. in an airport while I'm traveling. Um, or even go to like a Barnes and Noble or something like that. That is that is one of my favorite magazines to look at. It's first of all, it's an unusual format. It is it's bigger, kind of longer format than uh-huh. your average magazine. So that in and of itself is great. They've done something different. It's a very it has a very minimalist feel to it. It, it, it a lot of it centers around the imagery. And while they have uh, ads in there, it, it doesn't feel like it's taking over the magazine the way that it does elsewhere. And that's really beautiful too.
1: Yeah. It's just a feast for your eyes. And when I did, I used to subscribe to it and I would actually just collect them and keep them and just put stacks of them on a coffee table and then put like a base on it. I mean, they were just beautiful books just to have on your coffee table. And then they're just fun to flip through too.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah, for those of you listening in, I I can't recommend checking out that magazine enough. It it will give you uh, inspiration visually as a photographer, but even from a design standpoint too, because we're all likely in some way involved at least uh, with the design of, of your website, or maybe even some of the literature that, that you create to hand out to your clients. Uh, it's a great way to, to get inspiration for layout and design. So definitely check out W Magazine. And yes. we'll, we'll link to that even in the show notes so that you can find it easily. But uh, tell us about your, your lovely family. You're married. You've got two girls. Tell us more about them.
1: Oh, they're, I love, they're hopefully someday they'll take over the business. They like, they like photography too, but I've got a seven and eight year old and they both, uh, they're both girls and horses is their main love. They take horse lessons and they both do hip hop and gymnastics, but uh, I didn't grow up with a sister. So this is just, I mean, I feel so blessed to have two little girls that are mine because I always wanted a sister when I was growing up. So they are just the light of my life. So and they're goofy and they're so different. I just I just love them so much. Um, That's awesome. And then yeah, yeah, and and my husband. Um, yeah, so we're just kind of and, and, and my husband.
0: I know. I love how you kind of just trailed <laughs> off there.
1: No. no, dot, no. dot
0: dot dot. <laughs> yeah. What does your husband do actually?
1: he has a he owns a family business um, and they paint large commercial buildings like oh malls and movie theaters and hospitals he doesn't actually paint himself he is the contractor with his brother and, and his sister um, so yeah they had a business for about oh 20 20 25 years, I think.
0: Wow. So this entrepreneurship thing just kind of runs in the family then.
1: It, it does. My brother owns his company too. So yeah, it's just, yeah. None of us like to work for people. We like to work for ourselves. Yeah,
0: yeah. Being your own boss is, is I think, a little more fun for sure. What what yeah. is does conversation look like between the two of you? Like if you go on a date, do you find yourself talking a lot about your businesses or do you manage to set that aside? What does that look like?
1: You know what? They. Oh, it's funny that you say that. We don't really bring our business home. Um, he cool. helps me with the business end of it. Cause I'm, I'm the creative end of my stuff. So I need business advice, but I really don't talk to him about that. If we're going to date date nights are typically, we like to um, we have a sh- a common interest in our home and I like to design and he likes to build what I design. So when our, when we're on a date, we're usually texting the babysitter and saying, hey, give us some pictures of our kids. We miss them so much. But if we're not talking about our kids on a date, <laughs> we are usually just planning. And um, we are, we've been living in this house. for It's a farmhouse. We've been living in for about 15 years. So we're just always adding on and changing things. So just design projects. Is, it's, it's actually like our own business that we run together, so to speak. So we're yeah. like the Chip and Joanna Gaines I'm the Joanna and he's Chip, so we just <laughs> that's the kind of pair we are with our house.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a funny analogy. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Chip and Joanna, they they have a pretty popular TV show and I can't think of the, the name of it right offhand. Fix, Fixer Upper. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you guys can look that up too. But um, yeah, that's a funny analogy. How old is that farmhouse?
1: It was built in 1932.
0: 1932. Okay, so I, I'd love the idea of the kind of character that is seems to be innate to those older homes. But what comes to mind when I when I hear something like that is, I mean, certainly the idea of doing a project together would be exciting. But that simultaneously, I'm thinking that's a project on top of my business that I would, I, I think, I would be overwhelmed. Do you find yourself overwhelmed with that, or are you good with the process?
1: No, it's therapeutic for us. So, um, no, it's not. It's when we need our therapy and. You know, we just need to clear our head. We constantly have projects going on. I mean, it's just, you would come, I mean, our house is in a wreck, but you would, we're, we, I'm surprised neither one of us have, you know, just, we have, we can focus, but no, we always have projects going on and um, it's our therapy, I would say.
0: That's really cool. That's really, really cool. Besides um, working on your home house, do you guys like to spend time together or with your kids?
1: We love doing cross country road trips. So we love to ski. We love the mountains and the oceans. So every owning your own business, it's, it's nice that you can actually take off during slow times. So in the winter, we take a two-week road trip up to Wyoming and from St. Louis. That's a really far way. Wow. Um, it's actually on the other side of Wyoming. It's more like Idaho is where we go. So wow. we're in the car for about two and a half days and um, we... We stay at our friend's house It's up there and we ski. And then in the summer, we somehow I have like maybe a week and a half. I'm in the summer. Like I leave on a Sunday morning after a wedding and then we head to maybe Hilton Head Beach, Hilton Head Island or something like that. We like to do a, a, a mountain a beach vacation. So that's, that's kind of like our, our thing. we, we work a lot. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I like that variety too, but man, I, Wyoming, Idaho, that area is just so stunning. I took my kids last year to Yellowstone and, um, we, yeah. we hit, you know, what is it? The four States that are all just kind of right there together yeah. around Yellowstone. And it was just so absolutely beautiful and I, some people talk about the monotony of driving through that that open country like that i think it's mm-hmm. it's just absolutely stunning personally and and it 's a great time just for introspection. you get to think or you can listen to music or otherwise but yeah. It's absolutely beautiful country, but I, I love that you very consciously create some variety and that you go to a place like that. And then you're out to the beach, which is always fun too. So
1: yeah. But how
0: yeah. do you guys create that free time for yourself? I mean, you mentioned very specifically being busy, you're working a good bit. How do you set that time aside and prioritize that time? Is there a particular workflow that you've implemented that enables that or a, a tip or a tool of some kind?
1: Well, you know when we go on vacation as business owners, you never fully go on vacation and shut all of the I, all of the electronics off. So I'm constantly emailing. I'm always staying in tune and keeping up on my emails and phone calls on vacation. But how am I able to take off for about 2 weeks? Honestly, I just keep up with my workflow. I never get behind on it ever ever ever. So when I do a wedding, Those photos are back in the bride's hands within about two or three weeks tops, three weeks tops, maybe even two weeks, even in my busiest time. So the trick for me is that, and this is just how I am wired. I don't like things hanging over my shoulders. I don't do it fast and quick and sloppy, but I'm, I'm precise, but I have to stay on top of my workflow when I am caught up, then that's the time that we would go on vacation.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. But that's impressive, too, that you that you have that kind of consistency. It can be tough, um, you know, as business owners and working from home to to be consistent with that. Part of it is just simply discipline. There's no real fancy trick to it. And um, so kudos to you for that. But then, of course, the other part also, again, is something that we talked about earlier, which is the importance of systems in place and having a workflow. And I'm sure that part of what enables you to to turn all of that around in a couple of weeks is having a workflow in place, right?
1: Oh, yes. And I promise, promise, promise. I'm not just saying this because I'm talking to you. But <laughs> photographers, I, I, I swear I could not do what I do without photographers. Edit. I it, it's it's really the key to my success. It really is. I I photograph and I'm a photographer, but I'm not an editor. I'm just not wired that way. I don't like it. I I love that you guys have a team that of people that love to edit, but it's just not for me. And I, if I did edit all the time, I would get drained and I would honestly get burnt out of editing and photography in general. I probably would be burnt out by now. I love photographing weddings. I love my people, but I'm with them for a whole day. And after that, I honestly don't want to stare at their face for another two days. I've been there. <laughs> I, I had a great time, but I don't need to relive it a whole, like, it would take me 2 3 a couple days to go through all of those photos and i'm it just it doesn't work with me it's just not in my dna to do editing yeah. so i absolutely need photographers edit to do my photos so that's wow. the, that's the and they and you guys are fast too and that's how i get that fast turnaround where i for me i have to have the wedding complete all my weddings caught up before i hit the road for a vacation. So having photographers edit, edit my photos as fast as you do, even in your, the busiest season of the year, allows me to go actually go on vacation and have some time with my family.
0: Oh, I I love that. And uh, I I love it even more because we we certainly didn't plan that little plug. I I do appreciate you being so generous with with your your kind words. I I also want to point something out too, which is really important to note because a lot of photographers, it's interesting, you know, some photographers don't enjoy the editing process. You mentioned that. Um, I was certainly one of those. I mean, I I liked playing with an image here and there and adding a preset and, and creating a particular look. But the idea of sitting down and processing hundreds or thousands of images, largely because I was a perfectionist, too, as a photographer, when it came to that, that process, it was just uh, it was mind-numbing. It drove me crazy, and, and honestly, it was one of the reasons why I, I started a company in the first place or what, what led to me starting the company. So there are some photographers who aren't huge fans of editing. There are others who would say, well, but I love to edit. But the other thing that you mentioned there was the fact that it would take you a couple of days to edit those images. And that's the piece that even those who love to edit need to consider because that is a couple of days. I mean, that, that, when we think about a couple of days, first of all, the question, of course, is how much is your time worth, an hour? And if you don't know that, you need to figure it out. But then secondly, what could you be doing with that time that would actually generate more money for your business? And editing images in front of a computer is just not going to do that. Uh, and then, of course, there's there's the conversation of how much time you miss out on with family and and the, the potential of vacations, like you're talking about. So there are a lot of different pieces to that conversation. I love your perspective. I love that it's ultimately made a difference for you. But I just wanted to also add those additional side notes uh, for those listening in who might say, "Hey, I love to edit. That's great. Do it every once in a while." But l- Leave the majority of the busy work to a company like Photographer's Edit, or if you have an in-house editor, that's great. Or maybe you work with another company. Just make sure that okay. you're using your time wisely. And, and I love that, you, that you've set that example with your workflow. I think that's really cool. And really, this, this is a great segue to conversation about your business. How long ago did you start your business? And, and tell us a little bit about how you got started.
1: I started in 2012. Uh, it was January 2012. Um, I was in fashion industry, as I said before, When I was in the fashion industry, Facebook, around 2011, Facebook started to get really popular, and more more and more people were posting photos of themselves, of their families, and it just kind of generated this whole liking. I noticed that a lot of photos were getting likes, and that's how people were getting likes, and this is just the day, and this is just the age of people wanting likes on their, on their social media page. So uh, I I have a background or part of my degree is in product development. So I started thinking and a little bit of marketing. So I was like, Hey, you know, I love this. I'm going to pick up my camera. Maybe I can take some photos of my friends or their kids. Well, actually just for fun, I just took photos of them and then they started posting them on Facebook and the, they started getting a lot of likes on them. I noticed and I was like, huh, that's bizarre. You know, these people are posting, Pretty pictures of their family, and they're getting lots of likes. And then um, my inbox started filling up with, "Hey, can you take pictures of my family and my kids?" And did it, and it just started to snowball. Then my friend asked me to photograph her wedding, and I was like, "I don't know if I can do that, but <laughs> I'll give it a whirl." So I did for eight hundred dollars. I photographed my first wedding. Wow,
0: that's and- not bad for a first wedding.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't. Isn't a- yeah? So she. Um, she, I, I fell in love with it. I was nervous, sweating down the aisle. I couldn't believe, I I just couldn't, I, I, it was overwhelming, but I loved it. And and then it just kind of snowballed after that. I went from two weddings a year to 25 weddings a year within maybe about a year and a half. So, um, it just, it, it just mushroomed. So then I quit my job at the uh, fashion, my, my fashion shop, and I just took on photography full on. Just really, just doing kids and family. But now it flip flop. Now I mainly do weddings, and then I just do the babies of my brides now. So. Yeah, it's like a never-ending, um, industry Cy- yeah, get- cycle
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah and, yeah. and would you say that that, that very quick kind of mushrooming of your business, the really quick growth of your business, did that have largely to do with those connections on Facebook or what would you say? It
1: did. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've, even sent Mark Zuckerberg a thank you letter so thanking me for, or thanking him for, you know, having Facebook. So it wasn't for Facebook. I really wouldn't have a place to you know, get my photos out there. I mean, back in 2012, there really wasn't much of Instagram or anything like that. So no, it was definitely Facebook and word of mouth.
0: I, I love that you actually sent him a letter. Like, you're talking about like a handwritten letter?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't mail? think he... I, no, no, I didn't, okay. I didn't. At that time, I figured he was probably not a handwriting kind of guy. All, <laughs> and so no, I just, I just messaged him. I, yeah. I didn't get I gave you a big back. I wasn't, but it just felt good for me just to put um, the thank you out there.
0: No, that's that's really really great. I, I I think that that mentality of gratitude is so so important, and and um, well, I think right. that's just really beautiful. So, I, how would you say then? What would you describe as your business's brand position? What what sets you apart from the local photography community?
1: You know. I would say me as a person, as a photographer, my personality, who I am, and how I handle problems or moments in the day is my niche and my positioning in my company. I think my my photos speak for themselves, and they're beautiful. And I have a look for I have a look with my photos that I think stands out from others. But I also think that other photographers, everybody has beautiful photos. So the way I I have brand positioning and a niche is that when they first meet me, I I sell them me. Of course, I'm not saying that my photos are the best in the business, but I think my photos are pretty good. I think a lot of photos of other photographers are good. So how I set myself apart from others is I connect with my bride and groom when I meet them. I establish a trust, a friendship with them. So they're hiring a photographer, but they're also hiring a friend that they can trust, that if grandma's coming down the aisle, I will ensure I can help her, tell her where to go in the, at the reception. Or if she's wondering, what leg does my garter go on? I'm going to help her with all of those questions because those are all unknowns because these girls have never been married before. They don't know what to do, what to accept, ex- expect. I was a photographer before a bride. So yeah. So even if they're, their zipper busts on their dress, I, I have a, actually have a background in fashion. So I'm going to help them even zip up their, fix their dress if they need to.
0: That's lovely. That's beautiful. And I love the the relationship that is established as a result of that. I mean, I've said this in the podcast before, but one of my favorite things about being a wedding photographer for over 10 years um, was ultimately the relationships that that we had the opportunity to develop. Uh, if Even if it was really just largely for the wedding day, um, of course, that began uh, much of the time with an engagement session, but uh, the, the wedding day... It, we were let in myself and my business partner were let into what is a very, very intimate day and a time in, in these people's lives, these families' lives, and, and they treated us like family, like we were part mm-hmm. of that uh, event and not just like you know the, the, the person okay. that has a job to take some pictures. And I, that was, I feel like I still am so appreciative of that. It was such a privilege. And uh, I love that, that we do, you know, it's funny how we end up kind of becoming part coordinator, part uh, stylist, part friend for the day, for sure. And, and even, you know, somebody who is is helping with the flowers or may have to move the cake somewhere else. And, and uh, it's, it's just kind of funny how that ends up playing out, but ultimately that base relationship that we've established with that client enables us to do that. And, uh, and so I think it's a beautiful opportunity, and it's a it's a lucky thing that that we get to do that. How would yeah. you say that you communicate that that um, not necessarily a brand position, but you talk about the significance of you as an mm-hmm. individual? Are you communicating that in any way prior through your website, yes. or, or would you say that it's more about that first meeting?
1: You know, I think it has a lot to do with the first meeting, so um, I try to grab my my bride through proper advertising and beautiful photos on social media but once i've got them i start initially with, the, with um the email and i try to convey happiness and excitement and excited to hear from them and when i meet them so i start that with the with the emails but once they sit down here in my studio i just start the best way to describe it is like like a late show late night talk show host. I don't talk about myself much unless I ask and for it comes up, but I just kind of talk to them and get to know them and let them talk about themselves in the day and let them uh, relax a little bit around me. And we just kind of start ha- having fun as friends. So I establish that friendship when we first meet and try to get that um, trust going on that first time we meet
0: them. That's really good. You know, I, you talk about even the significance of how you communicate via email ahead of time. It, it reminds me of what our... Kind of texting culture has become right with emojis and and Uh. (laughs) bit emojis and but there is there is a certain amount of emotion that is expressed through what seems like something so insignificant a little smiley face or you know somebody laughing or or whatever the case may be there's a certain amount of emotion that is connected to that kind of conversation that you have with via text with a friend or a family member. And it really doesn't hurt to translate that to communication with clients. They like mm-hmm. to feel as well. And you can always maintain some sort of so-called balance. Uh, I, I say balance, I was literally doing air quotes as I said that, but um, some kind of balance <laughs> between kind of the professionalism and and the informality of interacting that way. But I think it's really important to express a little bit of emotion. People will feel, they'll feel yes. you, they'll feel with you, and, and they'll, it, it will help them feel that much more connected uh, in most cases. So I think that's a really great thought process there. I want to kind of transition to something maybe a little bit nerdy here, but I'm I'm curious what your maybe favorite piece of gear is as a photographer. Do you have a favorite camera body or lens or or another accessory of some kind?
1: You know what? It's my batteries. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love my lenses. My, um, my 35 millimeter and 50 millimeter are my favorite lenses. But I came across these rechargeable batteries. EBL is the brand, and they're on Amazon. I think they were like twelve dollars. I found that I was going through so many batteries that I almost had to because I have off-camera flashes. I've got backup flashes. Duh, 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 duh. I got two cameras on me. I was going through like twenty dollars worth of batteries every wedding, and I was in the fact that I'm just producing all of this this waste for the, for the landfills too, was just kind of, I had to find a solution. So my favorite investment has been these EBL, they're white and, um, I charge them up and they hold their charge for the entire day. So, um, they're in all of my, everything that takes a double A they're in and, um, they're my favorite thing. And, um, and, and it's been a cost, it's been cost effective too. So I don't buy batteries anymore. I don't buy double A's anymore.
0: Oh, that's okay. Well, first of all, I, it's it's hilarious that you mentioned batteries because that's certainly your your. It's another first for the podcast, I will say, but <laughs> um, but I think that's really great because it actually takes me back to to when I was shooting and actually how effective rechargeable batteries were uh, back then as well. I, I say back then, like it was so long ago, but a few years ago, there I I think we were actually using at the time maybe some uh, re- rechargeable Duracell batteries, but it was yep. amazing to me how long those batteries lasted, you know, you put four double A's into we were shooting Nikon into the Nikon flash. Uh, set it in a manual mode off camera on a mount of some kind and, and use that during the reception, for example, and it literally may not even have to change the batteries out for the whole reception. They would they would last for that long. It was pretty incredible. But yeah, it certainly saves a ton of money. Uh, in fact, I, I actually just ordered a, uh, some rechargeable batteries for my audio recorder that I use for recording this podcast because I've been going through batteries pretty quickly as well. And that really eats up the the, the cash after a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So we'll make sure to link to those EBL batteries in, in the show <laughs> notes as well for our listeners. But let's let's uh, kind of transition to really what is our primary topic for the day and, and has to do with uh, capturing our client's wedding day vision. So this is particularly applicable to wedding photographers. And we've already touched on the idea of communication. So it's really kind of a beautiful segue into this. But uh, certainly one of the most common conversations that we have with clients or even potential clients has to do with their vision, how they see their wedding day, and maybe what the the final images are going to look like uh, after it's all said and done. And I'm curious what the beginnings of that conversation looks like, maybe just what that process is. Is it before you book the client, after another time? How does that all start?
1: It starts in the very beginning. I think brides now a year and a half advance of their wedding date, they don't really know their vision. They know what they like, but they don't really have their vision fine-tuned so I tell them and when they book me you know they don't really know too much about their vision in the beginning however there are some brides that do and this is pretty much what I tell them I say that there's two types of brides there's one type that just you know they just I, I say hey do you if you trust me just let me take the wheel and I will photograph your day as it organically unfolds. And some girls are just like, Hey, you know, I totally trust you. I don't know anything about photography or creative. Go ahead and let you go. And then there's others, which is actually I, this, was I was this bride where you want to have a more say and creative, more creative say for, for their day. So um, I get that established in the very beginning and the engagement session is a really good one-on-one dry run for the day kind of session. So during their engagement session, I work with them on um, how to pose and and their kind of their personality that they want me to photograph for their engagement session. So um, we kind of establish how their, their vision in the very beginning, but we fine tune it in the engagement session, but it really doesn't get fine tune until maybe about two months before their wedding. And I touch base with them via email, say, Hey, do you guys have any Pinterest boards or any, anything that she wants to show me? Is there anything out there at all? So usually they, they communicate with me on what they're wanting their day to look like. And then others are just, um, they just totally trust me and, and let me take the wheel for the day.
0: Yeah, that is interesting because there are certainly at least those two categories of brides. Uh, It really is so refreshing, at least I speak from personal experience, when you have that opportunity to work with somebody who is just like, here's my money, do your thing. (laughs) And that's essentially yeah. the conversation. But yep. there there always will be those those occasions where we have a client who does, they do bring those ideas, like you were talking about Pinterest, for example, they'll bring their ideas to the table, they saw something online, they want this particular look, maybe they're looking in a magazine as well, um, and, and they come to you. So within that, how do you, within that specific conversation, how do you help kind of minimize confusion and manage expectations. This is a really big conversation. In fact, I was just having a conversation earlier today with um, a company, I won't name names, but a company uh, who I'm dealing with uh, personally, uh, who just did a very poor job of managing expectations. And of course, I'm particularly sensitive to, to that being a business owner myself. But if, if, Things aren't clearly, terms aren't clearly communicated, timelines aren't c- clearly communicated, even cost isn't clearly communicated, and expectations aren't managed well. Um, it can cause a lot of frustration. It can c- certainly affect the experience that your client has with you. So how do you how do you address that issue of managing expectations realistically for these brides who are like, hey, that wedding that I saw on Pinterest, or this that wedding that I saw and Style Me Pretty, or that wedding that I saw in this particular magazine, I want that. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them?
1: Well, I tell them I when they show me photos, they say, I want my wing to look like this or like that. I tell them, well, that those those photos are beautiful. But the reason why those photos are beautiful is because they try they let that, that photographer caught that moment. It was a moment in between a moment. And that is for their day. And that is not necessarily a look that you can ever duplicate and make it look organic. The best, what I have them do is just them be them and just organically relax and just let me photograph it. But to ensure to get those photos, that image, that look, that feel, that light area with the sunlight, we have to have a timeline. And a timeline is going to ensure that they get the photos that they are wanting. And uh, it allows me to, uh, and and me too, because I want photos. I want certain photos of the day. If they're liking my photos, then I know I need certain amount of time to get those photos. So I always tell them, don't hesitate to talk to me before you nail down your ceremony time and your reception time, because I know how much time I need for family photos. And I know how much time I need to get all of the wedding photos in between the ceremony and the reception. So if you are wanting this natural relaxed photos that you see that are so beautiful with the sun in the back, then we have to have an X amount of time to do that. So, and and then they say, well, how about this? You know, I I love this pose, I like this pose. Great, that's great. Let's make a list or you can even make a photo list or um, Pinterest, those images. And we'll use that as inspiration. We can't ever photograph an exact photo and get it duplicated because, one, you're you aren't those people, so you're not going to look like that. But second of all, we can we can try to.
0: Do you say it just like that like too? You're never going to look like that.
1: You're not going to look like that. We gotta make up It's just a slippery slope. No. <laughs> no but I mean like I mean people hold their heads differently people have different dresses and looks and the heights of the people are totally different and it's just never going to be this it won't look the same you can get that feel I know they're they're wanting the feel and the the emotion and the light and that relaxedness that's kind of what most of them want so we can absolutely get that but um, but it'll be natural and organic and um, unique to you two, not somebody else's natural organic.
0: Well, there are two things that stand out to me and and what you just explained. Number one, I I do actually, I mean, as much as we were joking about it, it's good to have honest conversation. And again, this goes back to the idea of managing expectations. I think that's really, really important. And obviously you can do it in a way that is, that that still feels good for them, but but does create realistic expectations so they understand what's going to happen. And it really doesn't hurt to, I'll just add this kind of caveat, but uh, it doesn't hurt to kind of reiterate those expectations via email somewhere in written form so that you can always refer back to that in case for some reason the client gets upset. But the other thing that stands out to me is the idea of focus, right? So this bride comes to you with these expectations that comes that, that come from potentially multiple locations. And, and I'm, I'm picturing these, these moving parts, all of these different moving parts that they have kind of jumbling around in their head. And they're like, this is cool. That's cool. Here's this picture. Here's this idea. And you're actually helping them focus on one thing that is going to give them results, which is The timeline, the significance of the timeline and how that affects light, which then, of course, translates to the images, and I like that. I think that's really good, that's really a great principle in general for good conversation, um, especially in, in, in a context, this type of context, but ultimately managing expectations effectively. You're saying, okay, first of all, here's what's possible, and then secondly, in order to get that, this is the thing that we need to focus on. Don't worry about all these different moving parts, let's focus on this thing, this is gonna give us great results, I'll be able to focus on your day, I'm creating beautiful images of your day if we focus on this thing, and I think that's a really wonderful way and a much simpler way to manage their expectations. This is really, really good. How does this then translate to the actual wedding day? Like, what, what does it look like to, for you to photograph a wedding? Is it, is it usually six, eight, 10 hours, 12 hours? How long do they last? And what does that process look like?
1: I have a timeline for each of the brides, but I am speaking with these brides a year in advance, even before booking. I give a rough draft outline of how their day is going to go. They typically have a, an idea of what their ceremony reception is. And I say, okay, well, let's backtrack. Do you want getting ready photos? Okay. Well, you're going to need to be at the church at so-and-so time. And I'm going to need about, you know, such and such time to get, you're getting ready photos. So essentially, if your ceremony starts at one, I need to start at such and such time because of transportation and all that good stuff. And then after the ceremony, I just walk through the entire day as if it's going to happen. And you know, I know how much time I'm going to need for the family. So I block that in. I know the time, how long it's going to take to get to the park that they want to photograph. And I know, so I timeline the entire day. So I tell them, you don't want to underbook me. You don't want to overbook me. So I am looking at your day and I think that you would need eight hours from, from me. Or there's other people that are just like, hey, I don't even want to look at my watch all day. I just want to know that I have you for the entire day great. You're going to have to book me for unlimited coverage, which is up to 12 hours. After 12 hours, there's really, I get a little exhausted after 12 hours. Absolutely. And uh, uh, and then honestly, you know, that late in the night, there's not really much going on at the reception. So, you know, they just don't need me for that until unless they're doing like a getaway car fireworks or something like that. But I, before they book me, I tell them, Hey, This is how much time you're going to need. If you like what you see on my website and you like what you see on social media, then you're going to have to give me eight hours for what you, the locations and travel for everything. And then, yeah, so they have a really good idea how much time they're going to need from me. And I pretty much do the timeline before I even get them booked. And then, um, you know, I, of course they can tweak their, tweak the time, you know, you know, add an hour here, you know, that sort of thing. No, no big deal. But the ballpark time is I give them and then we have a solid idea of what the day is going to look like.
0: That's that's really huge, actually. That's a big value add for the clients. Um, you know, I know that sometimes we kind of inadvertently end up being kind of playing that coordinator role. But to, to do that up front with them is that's really, really great. How often do you find like what percentage of the weddings that you photograph, do you find that you end up working with a coordinator? And then are you sharing that timeline with them or do they kind of (laughs) reestablish it? How does that process work?
1: Oh, that's a funny one. I always like, I, I do love coordinators, but I give them the bride, their, their timeline. It's just a rough draft. Honestly, it's of course it can be tweaked. Sure. But, um, we have this nice little timeline happening within the first six months of after, you know, from when they booked me, which is a year and a half um, or a year and that we're kind of ballpark going on this timeline. They've already paid their deposit and they've already all that good stuff. And then usually they don't have a coordinator until maybe about uh, a month or two before the ceremony, or I don't, I should, I say, I don't hear from their coordinator and then they, send over their timeline. And it's so funny. A timeline for a coordinator is so different from a photographer. The coordinator's timeline is is dissected by usually like every 10 minutes, you know, where everybody needs to be. And, you know, that's where some people, they need to have that timeline. But um, I kindly Um, accept their timeline it's it's totally fine I don't look at their timeline and then just rip it to shreds or anything there's I look at it sometimes it's perfect spot on and then other times I'm just like hey um, I think you got me shooting details for about an hour and a half of the reception and I don't need an hour and a half to to shoot details of the reception but you gave me 30 minutes to do photos of the bride and groom like let's like let's look at this again and are they usually pretty receptive to that yeah, I just tell them. Um, you know, I have a second photographer that can handle the detail shots, so we don't need all of that time. I usually just say we just. You know, I, I word it very kindly. Sure. It doesn't happen often, but a lot of times coordinators really want the shots for them for their website, which is their work, and it's the details of the reception. They don't really care much about the photo, the portrait session. So they are kind of have their own. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they just don't think of um, the photo- how much time I need. But no, it happens, and I just talk to the coordinator and say, "Hey, I need more time here." I talked to such and such a while ago, and I, you know, we had you know an hour and a half or an hour for photos between the ceremony reception, and I, I, I just really need to get a little bit more time. Is there any more budging we can do? And then they always do. They, I mean, they always do. They're coordinators. They, they make it work.
0: Yeah. Well, but again, this speaks to the importance of managing expectations, and and just proactive communication. And I think, you know, as simplistic as it might seem, it's something that we all need to do on an ongoing basis, professionally, personally even, is just very proactively communicate. Don't ever kind of leave anything to chance, especially when it comes to photographing somebody's wedding day or helping them manage their wedding day. Don't leave anything to chance. Have the conversations. Make sure that expectations have been established very clearly up front. And especially if you're working with a wedding coordinator. So this is really good points of conversation. And honestly, we could probably add an additional 30 minutes onto the conversation, just getting into more detail. But I think it's a good starting point. And and I really can't thank you enough for making time to kind of share your perspective on it and your experience with it. Yeah. Where can our listeners find you online, follow a little bit more of what you're doing online and see a little bit more about your brand?
1: Oh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and my website. So Facebook, um, Lisa Meyer Photography, Instagram, Lisa Meyer Photography, and my website, www.lisameyerphotography.com. And that's Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Lisa, so much for making time to share with the Boca Podcast today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Nathan. It was great talking with you.